0: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, we'll get an update in a few moments from our friend Marina Hoffman, who is uh, Canadian by birth, uh, lives in Florida now, has family still up in Canada. Her dad is a trucker as well as a pastor. And uh, Marina's been giving us updates on the trucker convoy up there, the Freedom Convoy. And we'll also have a segment of Noah Says today. Uh, So we'll look forward to that. Hope you had a great weekend, everybody. So let's open today. With a conversation about James B. Comey, the former director of the FBI and a former deputy attorney general. And the guy famous for being, I don't know, in on, uh, he was the guy that did Hillary Clinton's emails and did that in uh, in a back and forth way. And then he was involved and he's a never Trumper. He has an op-ed that ran uh, in the morning, Monday morning, about 10 o'clock in the morning on the Washington Post Website And I think in their paper and basically in his in his uh, column, James Comey complains that he's heard that there are some FBI agents who don't understand why it's important that everyone, everyone in italics be held accountable who committed a crime at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, even if the crime was only trespassing. Now, first of all. Can we say that the men and women who rushed out of their position at the top levels of the intelligence community in America in the last, let's say, 10 years have generally been uh, lacking in credibility, Clapper, Brennan, so many others? They have been been partisans who trade on their insider knowledge and their insider status, which gives them a reputation, at least in the past, for being somewhat credible. And they're just not credible anymore. But it still works for a lot of people. So here's Comey, former FBI director, and he's complaining that some FBI agents just don't get it. They just don't get it. Everyone, even just simple trespassers, must be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. And he goes on and on and on and on. But here's the phrase that I want to tell you. A sentence, a paragraph. This is James Comey. But the January 6th investigation, he writes, is mostly about something you might not think about much in your normal caseload. He's addressing this to the FBI agents. Colon, general deterrence. James Comey then writes, quote, it's about sending a message, dash, a shock wave of deterrence. So future Americans, whether misled by a lying demagogue or rightly concerned about the loss of their rights, never again assault the institutions of government. A shock wave of deterrence for trespass, a shock wave of deterrence. Do you hear how someone who's at the senior levels of government is talking about his fellow citizens and the power of government? Anyone tempted to quote merely trespass in the future must understand that the FBI will find them no matter how long it takes. This guy who by the way is teaching at the William and Mary school of law an ethics course ethics course a man who was paid i think it was seven million dollars to write his book which as far as i can tell i don't know if anybody's i haven't heard anybody talk about it it came out already in other words he got paid to be on the right side of the politics that's how this works you couldn't get i don't know did did, did, who's more popular than general mike flynn did he get a seven million dollar book deal no because he's not on the right side of the politics of this stuff So this is James Comey addressing FBI agents and telling them you have no right to have any thoughts except what I tell you. Now, let's pause and maybe say something like this. If you're no longer the FBI director, no longer in the service of the FBI, you might not know all the facts. You might not know All of the aspects of the case. So the FBI agents to which he's referring that may have misgivings about the idea that everyone should be prosecuted in every aspect. They may have, wait for it, more information. They may have more knowledge than Comey. Does that stop him? No. Comey will lecture Americans what he knows. He is the holiest of the holier than thou crowd. He is the one who will tell everyone exactly what their ethics are, what they should believe, and then what they should think. He will be the judge, the jury. He will be the executioner. He'll be everything. He's the guy in charge. It's an extraordinary thing for him to emerge from his seven million dollar advance, seven million dollar fee for his book, seven million dollars. You talk about a loss leader. There's no way he sold $7 million in books. But he emerges from a $7 million, I assume he's got a, a home at the beach now. I'm sure he's got one on the eastern shore of Maryland somewhere or something like that. And he emerges to lecture the FBI agents about what they should think, what they should do, and how, again, think about this. If there's a, I mean, it's, it's actually wonderful that he admits it and puts it in writing. But the idea that he puts in writing this, uh, that there's going to be almost like shock and awe, right? It's almost like the shock and awe phrase that he wants. He wants everyone to understand. That's what you have to do in order to be a shock wave of deterrence, a shock wave of deterrence. Is that what our law is supposed to be? Is that what our justice system is supposed to be? Is our justice system supposed to be holding people accountable for their conduct, or is it for Comey and people like him to decide? It's about sending a message, a shock wave of deterrence. In other words, forget about who did what, forget about the severity of what they did. You just have to be concerned about presenting, uh, pro- producing a shock wave of deterrence. What, a, what an admission. What a fascist admission to see in print. Zero tolerance is an overused phrase, but it fits here. That's James Comey's words. If a last, lasting message of general deterrence is to be sent. Imagine. Imagine if, uh, I don't know, pick somebody. Um, a, a, a Trump official. Ken Cuccinelli, if Ken Cuccinelli wrote, we need to enforce the border w- w- laws, the laws on the border, and we need to hold everyone accountable, not just people that do a crime after they get here, but anyone who breaks any law. We don't, we don't care if it's just trespassing in America across our borders. No, no, we don't care. Because why? Because it's our job to send a message, a shockwave of deterrence. I, I kind of like that idea, to be honest, regarding the border. But imagine if Ken Cuccinelli said that. Imagine. Imagine if Ken Cuccinelli said that or President Trump said that. Can you imagine the screaming and yelling from far and wide? We are in a serious, serious moment in history when a senior level Justice Department official like James Comey can go into the Washington Post pages and write a column like this. Do you have no shame, sir? I'm reminded of the 55 retired senior intelligence community officials who signed the letter a week and a half before the general election in 2020. And they said, everything we see makes us believe that there is a very good chance that the Hunter Biden laptop story is Russian disinformation. Completely discredited letter six months later. No coverage. You should be embarrassed to show your face in public if you do that. But what we've seen weaponized use of our intelligence community and especially shameless, shameless, shameless public displays by these retired leaders deciding what's true, what's false, what's morally right, what's justice And right now, James Comey is is lecturing the current FBI uh, on what they should do, what they should think, and how they should enact this incredible shockwave of deterrence. Incredible. And by the way, was the shockwave of deterrence used against Antifa, Black Lives Matter, any of those organizations when they burned buildings, burned cars? Nah the shockwave is only used one way and it's against we the people by the government right now right now i mean i guess in the 60s or 70s maybe there were some left wing groups that were like man this is unfair they're being unfair to us back then i don't know but right now the targets uh, the targets of james comey in the washington post are conservatives center right normal americans i don't know if they're conservatives only but normal americans That's who's at the the focus of his, the the merely trespassing should be part of the shock wave of deterrence. Stunning. All right, we got to take a break. We'll come back with Noah Says as well as more. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Time to talk to Noah Says. Now, Noah Says as Noah Dingley, our great producer, who also hosts his own show and helps uh, the great Andrea Kay keep her show in line. And he's a multi-talented, uh, multitasking dude all the time. And he comes on for Noah Says, and we ask him some questions, get some back and forth going. A lot of this is about what we, he and I do off the air. And uh, as we both said a couple times, we finish a conversation and say, man, I wish that was on the air because uh, we do cover some ground. So welcome back, Noah. First of all, let me ask you, um, and I'm. This is serious. I mean this serious way. I'm not being glib. It sounds a little glib, but there's a war in the world. Uh, is it affecting you?
2: Yeah, because I'm tired of it. I, I'm tired of you know. <laughs> obviously, for the last couple of years, the government officials have been trying to pretty much take control of all of our lives with the COVID situation. They did a pretty good job, if you ask me. Uh, Trying to gain our freedoms back has been no easy task. And now, hey, look, shiny object, don't worry about what's going on here at home because we need to support this wartime president with everything that's going on, Russia, Ukraine, but it's not, obviously, as you know, quite as simple as it seems on the surface ed but yes it's yeah. it's definitely something that's that's affecting me i'm just i i am tired of the negative impact it's having on the american culture each and every day
1: well and uh, as you say it's almost like we cannot and again we don't you, you know i think you and i both agree and we almost have to throw up the caveat before we get in trouble but no one no one likes war no no one especially likes innocent people who are hurt of course uh the, you know non combatants and all that stuff on the other hand, as you say, it's almost like we we have to have something that makes uh, everybody that that is aimed at the large portion of the country to make us hysterical. I mean, you know, if it's not COVID, and then it's uh, it's a uh, Omicron and Delta before that, and this now we're in a war footing. It just goes from one to another. And I have to say, I agree with you. It, it's it, it is it's exhausting. It's exhausting, and um, I don't know if this one. I don't know, burns itself out? I mean, is there a point here where uh, the war sort of settles down and it's kind of a occupation or something? Because the headlines in the last, uh, say, 24 to 48 hours are that we're clearly not going to let this escalate into a uh, us versus Russia war. Nobody wants that. But it's not sort of ending right now, right? There's There's been a couple different ceasefires and all. Um, have you heard much about, and I know we're starting to get a little bit of coverage of this, of... Um, refugees from the ukraine or any of that kind of stuff in your in your communities
2: no but you know what uh that would not surprise me it probably has been talked about maybe you've heard something but i know that when we pulled out of afghanistan that was definitely the talks that were going on so the fact that we're involved in any way shape and form over there it would completely not surprise me if there were refugees coming here to the u.s
1: yeah, I think uh well, we've seen a little bit of coverage of it and I think we'll probably see more and again, it, you know, if there's a war, uh there's going to be refugees. Uh, nobody I think Americans don't we don't misunderstand that. We don't uh we don't, you know, um uh kind of uh nobody sort of disputes that. It's just a question of uh what's happening. All right. Um what about the the COVID wind down? You know, more and more places have backed off of the passports, the vaccine passports. Um, still, some of the cities are holding on to it. Uh, schools seem to be backing off. Um, what are your thoughts on where we are in terms of the pandemic?
2: That's uh, the million dollar question, Ed. And again, that's why I think there it's not the main reason, but it is a great reason to have some type of conflict going on over in the Ukraine to have Biden support it. Hey, let's not really... Pay attention to what's going on here. Yeah, you have seen, hey, you know what? We're not going to do these passports. But if you have noticed in the news, there's also uh, a handful of states that have signed on this new national standard, as it were, for it's pretty much a vaccine passport and it's not mandated. But if people and businesses wanted to use it, they totally could. It's been slipping under the radar because we're all Russia, Ukraine all the time.
1: Yeah, you know, and um it is uh it, it, it's it's interesting to watch. Obviously the politics shifted because uh President Biden so quickly made sure that the CDC changed things in time for the state of the of union. Course. You know, the politics moved, but local politics, if you're a Democrat mayor of a a city, see, say Washington DC, there's no political advantage for going soft on this, you know, because it may be that the businesses want it, and then others want it. But in terms of your votes, you're a Democrat, right? You're a Democrat, and the battle here is really—I've said this before on the on the show. Again, we're talking with Noah Dingley, our producer, and uh, this Noah says segment. I've said this before. The battle is a, is a sort of civil war within the Democrat Party, the party that is saying, "Are we going to be the party of AOC?" Or are we going to be the party of, I don't know, yesterday's Democrats? And the best example is this one. Now, because of geopolitics, you you would, in a normal situation, expect any politician to embrace more energy production. Just because you don't want to have to live with $9 a gallon of gas. But Joe Biden can't embrace more drilling, waiving any kinds of rules to try to get more energy production because the left in his party won't allow it.
2: Yeah, it's an easy fix. I mean, this is something we talked about when you know, Biden obviously foolishly said, "Hey, we're going to have these millions of barrels released." Okay, thanks, uh, Biden, because now we have 3 days worth of energy reserves to the, you know, American people. That's that's not going to cut it. You want to stop $7 a, a gallon gas, the first thing and easiest thing you could do overnight to rectify the situation Open the Keystone Pipeline. It's not that hard. Maybe you work some kind of a deal. I want it open all the time. Hey, we're going to open it for a certain period of time until the Russian conflict has resolved itself. But he's not budging. He's not willing to do anything to take the hurt off the American people. He's blaming Russia when the problem is with Biden.
1: Uh, We're talking again with uh, Noah Dingley and uh,
2: covering a lot of ground
1: now. Um, We got to shift, though, because baseball, um, the big thing we have to shift it looks like baseball is banning the shift. You know, the crazy oh, shift I where they move the players this. all over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're banning. And, of course, and for St. Louis Cardinals fans like me, Matt Carpenter, who had this extraordinary career um, arc in the last, say, about eight years. Uh, about eight years ago, he burst on the scene. He was so strong. He's incredibly fit player, incredibly disciplined, played great, and got like a seven-year deal. And then by year two and a half of the deal, they had shifted on him, and and he just couldn't get a hit, and he batted like a hundred and fifty, you know, one fifty last year. And I think what's the their reason- reasoning for well, banning they
2: had- this, Ed?
1: Well, I think it's because they know that it uh, it 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 works, and uh, if it works, you know, you p- make people play the positions they're in, and allow more offense. I mean, I think that's what it is, right? I think I think it will get um, I think it will get more offense. You know, you think
2: about the number of big hitters. Uh, who were who,
1: who had you know a bunch of at
2: bats taken away from him. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, if you, one of your listeners or maybe even yourself knows any different, tell me. But I thought, with the exception of the pitcher and the catcher, that pretty much your other position players could stand wherever they wanted to. They're assigned first base, but if the first baseman wants to stand in the shallow outfield or even the middle outfield, he's allowed to do that. That's all. That's uh, it, I don't like this
1: well I, I I think you're right about it I think you're right. your impression is correct i don 't know if the rule book says that uh but you're you obviously every player has to be on the field of play right you can't be out of in foul territory you has got to be on' the uh, man, but after that, you're the right plate. I get that right 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 that's other than that I think you're right as to the rule book being silent on the first baseman has to stand within twenty two feet of first base, but they must just change the rules and uh, uh and my uh thought here is. Um, it's only the last, what, th- what do you think, three to five years where the shift has really become specific? Before that, you sometimes sort of leaned into a shift with, like, Mark McGuire up, but they didn't do the full-on shift. Nobody was doing a full, total shift. I, I-, I guess they're just going to make a rule, and the rule... Yeah, is I-, hey, I would say hey, probably,
2: got- I said, three to five years, that's pretty safe when you've seen it pretty much certain hitter comes up against a certain situation, perhaps a certain pitcher and you put the shift on and it's become a lot more prevalent i've enjoyed it i think it is great strategy to use no matter who the team is and now you're taking this strategy that i think is very fair because any team can use it and you're you're restricting the game in a game that you know especially is evolving and now you're going to have the designated hitter in the national league i'm not liking that um i'm i don't like that rule change
1: well, I and I guess I guess to come back to that is um you know I think people would say wouldn't they that baseball has gotten less uh attractive for people to watch, right? And so they're doing these things to try to change uh the trajectory of of what the uh of what the the league is doing, right, and uh, and one of them would be the shift, as you mentioned, the uh, the uh, designated hitter. Again, these are, both of those things are creating offense, right? Instead of having these pitcher. Uh, oh, but I love good, good hitting
2: uh, pitcher, Ed. I, I think that's yeah. exciting.
1: Yeah, I think the uh, the bigger thing is that uh the games are taking too long still, right? So and and it, it didn't obviously did not work to try to do a shot clock or a pitch clock or anything, right? It just didn't it didn't
2: come together for Well, anybody. they did. The so, pitch so, clock, they uh, also did the hey, if we're going into extra innings, there's automatically going to be a runner on second yeah, base. Yeah. Hated that move. I hated, hated uh, And that I believe too. that yeah, one has yeah, go- yeah. has gone away. I don't like there's a reason why it's called America's pastime. And it should stay that way to where you're not evolving and changing all of these rules. Let the players, let the team strategize however they want to strategize and keep the game the same.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that. All right. Will the strike end soon? What's your bet?
2: Gosh, I hope so. I mean, the, the, more lock, I the read, lockout the, or whatever. Uh, the more discouraged I am, I'm really hoping for, again, I think I said it on the last. Noah says, Ed, best case scenario, we start. Probably halfway through the season, and we get a half a season. I'll take it because I love baseball. But I think that's all we're going to get.
1: Wow! All right, Noah says everybody. Noah Dingley, our great producer, who is also has his own program on the Answer San Diego, and helps uh, Andrea Kay produce her
2: show. We'll talk again soon. Noah, thanks very much. Anytime, Ed. As the thousands of emails come in, I am always here for your (laughs) fans. I mean, my fans.
1: There you go. All right. Noah Dingley, everybody. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back, Ed Martin. Here on the Pro America Report, time to check in with our friend Marina Hoffman. Doctor Hoffman, of course, is an award-winning author. Uh, her book is uh, "Women in the Bible: Small Group Bible Study," uh, a book that obviously is useful and uh, helps organize folks. She's also teaches at Palm Beach Atlantic University, and she has family from uh, she's from Canada herself, born and raised in the Toronto area, and has family up there, including a father who's a trucker. And she's been giving us these updates on the Freedom Convoy of 2022. So so welcome back, Marina. First, um, for the American sensibility, as quickly as we move on, you know, to a war in, in, in Ukraine and everything else, um, is, are things over? Uh, it, it, we haven't heard much. And I know there, that doesn't mean, it isn't, it mean it's over, but it, where, are, where is the, the uh, convoy and what's happening
3: Yeah, exactly. So the free time in Canada is certainly not complete. There's still a lot of restrictions. And it's remarkable, Ed, the the people are still fighting. They're still going out in the cold winter every weekend and some people every single day to fight until all the mandates are lifted.
1: Yeah. It's amazing. Um, What I'll get to some specifics, but how do you feel about it, Marina? Again, we're talking with Marina Hoffman, by the way, on on Instagram, at Marina Hoffman, and Hoffman has one F. Uh, Also, her website is womeninthebible.info. See see her book as well as uh, resources. But uh, how do you feel about it? How do regular people feel about it? Does it feel like, well, we tried to organize and the air went out of it and sort of Trudeau, emergency ruled over the top of us is that or is there more uh, confidence than it feels to me
3: people are still very hopeful and it's so inspiring to me. I can hardly even believe it, Ed. I keep finding out all day Saturday, again, my family was out. They didn't even tell me until Saturday night. It's so amazing to me that they're not giving up and they're not moving on, even though no one is talking about it anymore. Everyone's mind has gone to the Ukraine and Russia. And what's also... Mm, hard i think sometimes to really accept ed is that i think there's a realization that this is not a momentary effort because once the restrictions from the lockdown are finally all lifted, there's still so many battles there's battles on the front of privacy and even this ongoing digital identification and the effort to keep all of the vaccination passports systems in place because we might need it again and person after person Mm. from the government is stepping up and saying you know we might need it in the summer we might need it in the fall so while there's so much hope and i'm incredibly inspired that they're not giving up it's kind of discouraging ed to know that really this is the truth about life isn't it there's always a battlefront and we will be standing up for freedom and paying a cost i think for the rest of our lives
1: (sighs) Well, that's right. And then part of it is uh, if you think it's all going. Uh, sometimes you need to be encouraged by progress, right? Because you, you would like it all to be solved. And and yet um, it, it rarely is. It's a it's a process, you know, the journey together. Again, we're talking now with Marina Hoffman and uh, Dr. Hoffman is a award winning author as well as a commentator. And again, at Instagram at Marina Hoffman. Hoffman has one F um, a, a practical question. We we really got riveted in the United States by the seizure almost of I think seven or nine million dollars when it looked like uh, GoFundMe was gonna take the money and give it to charities they liked instead of giving it back. But of course, what's lost on people is GoFundMe uh, did give it all back to donors, which meant donors had to go find another way to give it to the Freedom Convoy. I believe the number is almost $20 million in, in ca, in, in contributions and cryptocurrency and all to the Freedom uh, Convoy. Uh, but, I, I, again, in some of my exchange with you, uh, some some or all of that is tied up um, in the legal fight. Uh, individuals were targeted and their own bank accounts frozen. What's the status of, in some ways, the ultimate way to really hurt people, which is grab them by the wallet? What's going on with
3: that? Yeah, you're right. A lot of the personal accounts have now been released, but what a hellish Good. road to have to travel. What a traumatic experience. And yet the $20 million that was given to the Freedom Convoy as an organization is still tied up. So you really Good. see at uh, the power that the government can have over us in a single phone call, in a moment, without even going to the court system, everything in our life can be seized by the government. And while it's wonderful that they've released the individual accounts, I think I think there's an ongoing sense that that's terrifying, and we don't need to just release the funds. We need to change the law so that this never happens again.
1: Uh, we're talking with uh, Marina Hoffman again, uh, Dr. Hoffman, Canadian families up there, uh, and. Um your father, Marina, you're a young woman, if I can say, and so your father got a few years on you, obviously, and he would see how uh, things played out. And I think I know that he's also a pastor, not only a trucker, but a pastor He has a perspective on this as in that sense. Um, how do you how do you describe? You've had liberal politicians in Canada. In fact, Trudeau's dad was in office in the seventies, um, and so you have these socialist leanings in some of the Canadian policies, what healthcare, some other things. But the ability of the of the of the po- political class to use the emergency powers, which is what. Uh, Trudeau just did Justin Trudeau to to grab power to hold people down then to quote unquote relinquish the power he he didn't do anything of the sort but he stopped using the emergency powers act and I don't think he paid a political price that's that's strange to Americans because in America right now if you're still holding on to the old view of uh of of COVID regulations uh, even as a Democrat politician you're starting to pay a price he just got away with it didn't
3: he well, to a sense, he did. I think everyone knows he knew the battle was lost because he revoked the Emergency Act before it went to our Senate. So if he had let it go to the Senate, the Senate would have voted it down, and that would be what we call a vote of non-confidence. And there probably would oh. have been triggered a um, another election across Canada. So I think he knows he lost on that account, and yet... <laughs> Ed, he's still going full force into all the restrictions on personal freedoms in every sense. All these laws that will really be outrageous to a conservative person. So, again, that that really comes back to the fact that the battle is far from done, and there are still many fronts to fight, and hopefully... I hope truly that at the next election, people's minds will be open. But, you know, at the other struggle, and I think sometimes we have it here in the States, is it's hard when you have one person you really despise and another person that's a bad candidate. Nobody wants to vote for the worst of two candidates, but that's been the situation in Canada for the last few elections.
1: Mm, yeah, uh, interesting point. I mean, that's, you're exactly right. And people forget that. They think they think politics is um, a choice between one rotten guy and then a really good one. Sometimes you get a rotten guy and they make the other candidate look bad. I, I often tell people uh, Donald Trump didn't have to be the best candidate in 2016. He was running against Hillary. By the time it was done, so many people distrusted. That's a factor. you got to know politics and know how these things work. Um, again, Marina Hoffman is our guest. Uh, Dr. Hoffman is an author as well as a commentator, a professor, uh, and at Marina, at Marina Hoffman on Instagram especially her account there uh, and I'll put all all this up on social media. Um what's the future? In in, in I mean the short term future. Do you see um more freedom breaking out in canada over the next coming the coming months does the government relinquish a bit uh like the rest of the world i mean even as like boris johnson's grandstanding on his international stuff at home he's rolling back uh a lot of the 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 hard mandates do you see that happening in canada do, what, what's your sense of the of the sort of short-term future
3: I don't think Trudeau has given us any indication that he's going to roll back or even bend remarkably to the polls and the increasing push against him across Canada, but what I do hope will happen to a greater extent is that those who are conservative and who have been mostly silent, which Ed is inexcusable, but the people who are conservative, despite not standing up for the last two years, will really come into the light and they'll be emboldened. And I think Canadians are forgiving and it's the conservative leaders will now step forward and fight against every way that our personal freedoms are being infringed upon i think they'll have a great opportunity in the next election to make a change by becoming hopefully in power and maybe a sweeping majority. And it's frustrating to live in a democracy where we have to wait until we have another vote. But I think that will be the only time that these crazy bills that are being introduced will finally stop. And maybe even with a majority, we can put in safeguards in the government legally so that no one can seize the kind of power that Trudeau did and take the kind of actions he did without anyone voting to give him those powers.
1: Uh, one last line of questions. Again, our question. Again, again, our guest is Marina Hoffman, Dr. Hoffman, uh, Canadian by birth, a professor as well as an author and a commentator. Um, the media coverage, uh, notwithstanding the ability of social media to reveal to us what's going on, the coverage has felt to say, uh, you know, to, to be a little bit euphemistic or whatever. Say it light, um, incomplete. Uh, you know, I mean, you're talking to people up there, your family who are involved. Um, you're getting a full sense of it. I think in America, we had some sense of it, but now that it's passed, it's a little bit, frankly, like the January 6th situation. They arrested a bunch of the convoy people, right? There's one woman I picture. I can see her face, at least an image of it. Um, I think they still have people either arrested or, or they maybe have released them, but they've got them charged. I mean, what, how frustrating is the media coverage, uh, to somebody like you that knows the real, the real scoop?
3: It's just been as unbelievable as it is in the States. You know, I think the recent story where my own governor DeSantis tells the kids they can take off their mask and, you know, he's portrayed as abusive and all this nonsense, some bully. It's the same thing in Canada, but you know, when the media lies so much and everyone finds out and they pass the line, right? They go overboard, they become irrelevant. And we've seen that in the States with plunging viewership of the far left networks. And thank goodness. I think we're seeing that in Canada as well. Unfortunately, with and you might say it's a bit you know state run we have so much government funding given to these far left media stations again no one cared no one really knew this and in the last six weeks it's unbelievable how many Canadians have stepped up and now are informed and they're shocked at the millions that we're giving to fund stations that are so um, willing to lie and to support the narrative of the government without question.
1: Well, it is amazing to uh, to uh, see, and to, it's terrifying in many ways, and we're very grateful, uh, Marina Hoffman, for keeping us in the loop. You've been kind of our correspondent on what's happening. Again, Dr. Marina Hoffman, uh professor as well as an author uh, on Instagram, at Marina Hoffman, Hoffman is 1F, and then also her website, womeninthebible.info. You can find more about her book as well as uh, other of her uh, the resources that she makes available. Thank you, Marina. We'll have you back on again. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment.
0: This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. We'll survive the COVID pandemic, but the pandemic of liberal
1: censorship is far more worrisome. From the attempt to browbeat the popular Joe Rogan into silence to a flight attendant demanding the removal of a Let's Go Brandon mask, the thought police are out to cause permanent harm to America's longstanding tradition of public discourse. This is not America anymore, observed passenger Adam Radonia after he was censored on board a Spirit Airlines airplane in Ohio that was traveling to Florida. He was required by a flight attendant to replace his mask on board because it had the humorous anti-Biden phrase on it, along with the initials FJB. No passenger would have been told to replace a mask having a Black Lives Matter slogan. And he's right to point out the double standard. Incidents of censorship on airplanes and other places of public accommodation no longer go unnoticed thanks to video cameras on smartphones. Meanwhile, podcaster Joe Rogan is more popular than Joe Biden, according to a recent poll. But liberals insist on eliminating his podcast from Spotify. In an alarming new form of censorship, a few aging musicians demanded removal of their songs from Spotify in protest of Rogan. Spotify then tried to appease the critics of Rogan, and he responded in a gracious manner. But disclaimers and apologies are never enough to appease liberals who demand censorship of alternative views with which they disagree. These two incidents are indicative of a larger trend towards censoring viewpoints that go against the will of the governing authorities. Their goal is not merely to stop people from having anti-Biden slogans on face masks. Ultimately, they want the rising generation of Americans to get comfortable with the idea that contrary opinions should not just be refuted, but totally removed from the public discourse. The pandemic is nothing more than a vehicle that they're using to achieve a much more insidious long-term goal. Now is the time for all of us to fight back. The best thing you can do is to not self-censor. Do not silence your own voice out of fear that others will disagree with you. When Americans give in to that fear, our public discourse may be lost for good.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. On college campuses and social media, in boardrooms and the public square, conservative voices are being silenced. What happened to free speech or to the First Amendment? At phyllisschlafly.com, we're still listening, so let us hear from you at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for joining us and come back again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let's wrap things up today by talking a little bit uh, about the Ukraine. And let me point you in a different direction. There is a piece over in the Western Journal, westernjournal.com. And it is a piece uh, by General Mike Flynn. And it was sent to me over the weekend. And I I said to somebody, um, you know, it's crazy to me that um, we haven't had more uh, people understanding um, who the experts are and how the experts could do something like understand a situation better. And what I mean by that is General Flynn, you forget, he's kind of well known for being a fighter against a deep state and he's a well known for uh, being a um, fighter for against the COVID um, crackdowns uh, and all and the lockdowns and all the mandates. but his expertise over the decades was in the foreign wars. Iraq, Afghanistan, especially an intelligence gathering, so he wrote a piece in WesternJournal.com, which I'll put up on social media, but he lays out three points, three parts of a serious conversation about Russia, about a, what Russia really wants, what the, how you could get there, And especially, I have to say, the thing that's uh, um, the, uh, the, the thing forward, the path forward, is what is it that we could tolerate? And in the end, he said, he says in here, America's always stood for self-determination and right for people to choose their own government. And so we have to be for that. But the fact is, we have to try something to stop the slaughter. By the way, this was written about three days ago, four days ago. And actually, it, um, it makes you think to yourself, is even more true now, because it doesn't look like, notwithstanding the media, that it's going to be somehow Ukraine upsetting Russia. It looks like Russia is uh, sliding forward slow but steady. And what in this, in this piece, what General Flynn talks about is there was an ing- agreement in the past, the Budapest Agreement, that was we supposed to protect the Ukraine by saying, hey, you give up your nuclear weapons and America and Russia will agree not to invade you, not to, to hassle you. Well, obviously, Russia's broken that agreement. So you can't point to that and say, oh, how are we going to do that? The fact is, though, we could go back to something like that. And, and General Flynn's point here is you have to try something. Right now, you have to try something in the face of nothing that seems to be either working or particularly um, uh, promising, that's the word. When you have NATO saying over and over, we will not do no-fly zones, we will not allow uh, our military to be drawn in. If you're Ukraine, you're saying, well, that means you're just going to let us die a slow death, right? And that's right. So what is it that NATO and others could say, hey, you got to do this, you got to live up to this. Some kind, change, the, change the dynamic change the dynamic well read that piece by General Flynn he will make you think and you'll realize man uh, Mike Flynn is a smart guy with a lot of experience that's what you come away what I can come away with no matter what you think of his idea alright uh, we gotta run thank you as always to Noah Dingley our great producer uh, associate producer Joanna Spilger and all our great guests don't forget visit ProAmericaReport.com ProAmericaReport.com sign up for the Daily Wink and we'll be back tomorrow it's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report talk to you then